Before history is written, it's played. Before it's frozen in time, it's fought one shift at a time. Before it's etched in silver, it's carved in ice. What happens next will last forever. The Stanley Cup Final on ABC and ESPN Plus begins Saturday. What's up, y'all? It's Drewski, and I've teamed up with Mountain Dew to produce a hilarious new basketball podcast called The Dew Zone with Drewski. Learn the backstories of your favorite ballers and celebrities like Jamal Murray. Did you have, like, a favorite team? Was it the Raptors at the time or no? Was the Raptors even started around that time? Come on, bro. I ain't that old, fam. <laughs> You're talking like I'm 50. Taylor Rooks, Asia Wilson, and many more. You won't want to miss this. Listen to The Do Zone with Drewski on Apple Podcasts, Spotify, and wherever you listen to podcasts. Abner Mars is the world champion boxer. Olympian, sport commentator, and most importantly, dad to two little girls. Beloved by abuelas and hardcore fans alike, Abner is a pro at entertaining the world, both in and out of the ring. On Blue Wire's new podcast, On the Hook with Abner Mars, we'll hear from Abner, his family, fellow athletes, and other people who made him the boxer and the man he is. They'll cover topics like the state of boxing, Abner's American Dream, and being a husband, and maybe most importantly, a girl dad. So listen to On the Hook with Abner Mares wherever you get your podcasts. Episodes in English drop on Tuesdays, and episodes in Spanish drop on Wednesdays. What's up, guys? This is the Uncontested Podcast, covering the Oklahoma City Thunder. This podcast is ran by Jacob, Nick, Justin, Taylor, and Kamiar. Listen to future episodes on your favorite podcast streaming service like iTunes or Spotify. And don't forget to leave a five-star rating. This is Lou Dort. You're listening to the Uncontested. What is up? Welcome to the Uncontested Podcast. We are part of the Blue Wire Podcast Network and the official podcast of Boomtown Hoops. Com. I'm your host for the evening, Jacob Niffin. I have two wonderful gentlemen along with me today. Oh. From down in Dallas, we have Nick Crane. I am here, and the off-season is here as well. You didn't say anything about me introducing you first. I know. I don't want to give the attention for, for finally <laughs> doing it. We also have Taylor Peterson along for the ride. Nicholas, it was uh, not the best day for our two favorite NFL teams. Mm-mm. I, uh, I'm, I'm not, I'm not too fond of that ankle injury. That oh my horrendous. gosh, was, oh it was, and he's having sur- Dax having surgery tonight. Ugh, not good. Speaking of athletes, this is a little off topic, but I don't care. Um, we are recording this podcast. Uh, it's almost the end of the third quarter of the finals. Hmm. Um, the 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 finals are over. They're, Congrats to LeBron, his fourth yeah, championship Miami's good. Uh, they're not coming back from 30 down. But have you guys seen this commercial during the finals? Uh, it's a, the car commercial where they're driving through the rain because the dog's running away. Uh, this you know sounds familiar. About? I it don't the, know. It is the fastest damn dog I've ever seen in my entire <laughs> life. That dog, like, whenever they play the video of the dog running and them, like, chasing it in the car, 
it's got to be on two times speed, and it just bothers me. <laughs> it's like LeBron if he was a dog. <laughs> no dog runs that fast. It just, oh, my God, it makes me so angry. God, That's really the, funny. I, I don't know if I've seen that. The Miami Heat look really bad. All right, gentlemen. <laughs> um, tough thunder. Time to th- podcast about the thunder because literally nothing is happening. Uh, the Thunder still need to hire a coach. They still need to trade Chris Paul. They still need to trade other players. They still need to do all this stuff. They still need to trade up in the draft to get Denny. N- exactly. <laughs> None of this has happened yet, though. And so it leaves us in this awkward spot of what do we podcast over? But I think we have come through. We're going to do our fans a great service today because we have some good stuff to talk about. We're going to start off, for those of you at home who do not know, Um, aside from podcasting, my main job is I am a teacher. And so I figured let's grade the thunder players. I grade kids all the time. Let's give these, these thunder kids, these young pups, some grades. So we're going to look at three players today and gentlemen, how we're going to grade them is we're going to give them an overall letter grade for their performance during the season. And then for each of them, we're going to note, this is always what you do whenever you grade children. You tell them something they did really well. So we're going to look at where each of these Thunder players exceeded expectations. Oh, Johnny, your handwriting is so good. Uh, but Sarah, you suck at math. Yeah. Sarah, <laughs> you did a wonderful job on your science project, right? But then you follow it up. You butter them up first. And then you follow them up with the bad news, where they need to improve. Johnny, your handwriting's so good. But holy smokes, 2 plus 2 does not equal 7, Johnny. we got to work on the math. <laughs> right? So we're going to give these Thunder players some something that they exceeded expectations on, but then we're going to criticize. We're going to give them their needs improvement section as well. Sound good? That sounds good. I'm awesome. In. Let's go with the undrafted rookie, Lou Dort. Nick, what letter grade does Lou Dort get for the season? Um, I'm probably going to be the the tougher teacher. I feel like Taylor might be a guy that gives out <laughs> gives out those easy grades A's for everybody. I'm going to just pass show everyone. up and do your work. And <laughs> I'm going to give uh, Taylor give gives Dort participation A-. grades. <laughs> A minus. Okay. Yeah. Um, so let me ask you this, Nick, because teachers judge grades differently. Is your A minus um, just like an overall grade, or is that A minus like what you expected uh, versus what they actually gave you? Yeah, so my, my, yeah, my mine is one hundred percent based on you know expectations coming into the season, and then um, what I, what I thought of them by the end of the season. So someone like Dort is going to be uh, less highly criticized than someone like a Baisley, you know. So um, I, I'm going to give him an A minus. I'm going to go ahead and say what he did great. Pretty obvious here, defense. That's something that uh, he's kind of known for at this point, locking down guys like James Harden. One thing he could definitely get a lot better at, I'm not going to say shooting just because that's that's way too simple. More confidence and consistency. I think we saw him you know, be a, a decent shooter at points throughout the season in the playoffs. It's, it's not that he's never going to be a good shooter, but he needs to do it a little bit more consistently and have more confidence in his shot. And I think he got a lot better at that in the last couple games against Houston where he's taken a bunch of threes. And when they were going down, he was excellent. See, I actually... Uh... I actually wrote something. I have something similar for Baisley, but for Dort, I I put that um, you know a plus of his is that he is very confident in his game. 
but at times it's almost too confident. And I think we saw that in the playoffs, right? No, I get you have like Chris Paul saying, no, you got to shoot the ball. And we want you to keep shooting, keep shooting, keep shooting and see it paid off. You had 30 points or whatever in game seven. But all that to say that I think sometimes he can get a little too confident. And maybe sometimes you don't want him taking some of those shots that he was taking throughout the playoffs. I'll, I'll combat that. I don't think him shooting 10 threes in a game is, his being, is him being confident. I think that's the coaching staff and his teammates kind of forcing it down his throat. Like, like hey, open, shoot the ball. Yeah. I don't think he's confident shooting that many times. I think he was kind of forced to. Yeah, that, that's fair. And, Nick, I love that your needs improvement section is specific, right? Like you said, we could say shooting. That's so damn broad, you know, that the fact that Make the ball be, go in the basket. Yeah, we, we, we can be specific <laughs> Uh, and critique like very specific parts of their game. Like I think that's what the coaching staff is doing as well. So Taylor, what's your letter grade for Lou Dort? So I view this, gave him an A minus. What's yours? Uh, I, I viewed it very similar, similarly as Nick. Um, expect, expectations uh, versus reality. So because of that, I, I gave Lou an A. You know, going from an undrafted rookie to not only starting in the NBA playoffs, but uh, he had the most most points for an undrafted rookie in a playoff game since the draft was introduced. And he also now holds the Thunder playoff record for most points, most field goals made, field goals made, and most three-point field goals made by a rookie. Um, some other incredible stats ha- happened there as well. Had the most points in a game seven before turning 22 uh, in NBA history for any player. To, to do some of those things when we just picked him up, you know, after the draft uh, here about a year ago, I guess a little over a year ago now, it's just... It just seems unreal. Um, I remember Nick, you know, listening to the the intro we just played here a little bit ago. Nick was at Media Day and was able to get Lou Dort to Lou Dort to record. Uh, you know, you're you're now listening to the uncontested, and uh, that just seems so far away now. And to think that he would turn into this guy, you know, we were able to get that. We thought it was really cool and stuff, but like we had no idea who Lou was going to be. And for him to come out and do what he did, I think is just pretty spectacular. And you can't really give him anything else that doesn't involve some sort of A, whether it's plus, minus, just an A. Um, so I think the biggest thing that he did is obviously the defense, and that's the most uh, – the thing that stood out the most this season was just how sound he is defensively. Um, he was aggressive and able to use his strength and his size to advantage, and, but he also isn't too aggressive. He's disciplined. He's able to stay disciplined. I think the perfect example of that was during the playoffs when we saw him kind of putting, keeping his hands back when guarding games, James Harden to avoid uh, drawing fouls, which was incredible. Um, and, and to see his improvement throughout the season on that end of the floor was awesome. Now, what he needs to work on, I, I really like Nick's answer there. I think that's fair because I do have a needs to work on shooting consistency. But I think he really needs to work on control in terms of his drives and, and his touch around the rim because the ability to drive is there, right? He can blow by just almost anybody. I mean, it, it was pretty incredible using that that speed, athleticism, and strength to his advantage. But he needs to be able to, to gain control and know when to make uh, the right pass to teammates if the drive isn't there instead of just going out of control to the basket. And when he does get to the basket, sometimes he blows by his defender so quickly, he's just like wide open at the rim and just has no touch. And you see him kind of like, not, I don't want to say brick, but just bounce a ball by laying it up off the rim and backboard. Um, I'd really like to see him gain a little more touch and be able to finish. That's good. That's good. Um, I will give Lou Dort an A, a solid A. From being an undrafted rookie to playing in the NBA playoffs, starting in the NBA playoffs, I think he exceeded everybody's expectations. Uh, obviously, his defense is what kept him in the games. That that's where he he made his bread and butter. Um, and Nick, I know I complimented you on your specificity of where he needed improvement. Um, 
but I'm going to go there anyways and be a little broad. He needs to improve, I think, specifically his catch-and-shoot three. So I know it's still shooting, uh, but consistency, I think, is a big part of that. But his catch-and-shoot three, because I think Lou's offensive progression is going to come in steps. First, he has to be able to catch and shoot and make defenders respect him. Once that happens, then the next step is attacking a closeout and finishing at the rim, like Taylor said, right? And then the next step is attacking and making the pass, right? I think it's going to come uh, step by step by step as a, as a progression rather than you just put the offense together right overnight. All at once. Yeah. So that's it. I, um, I agree. Perfect. All right, let's move on to our second player then. Uh, let's do one Darius Baisley. Nick, uh, this time let's all give our letter grades first. So, Nick, what letter grade are you giving Darius for the season? I'm giving Darius – and I'll, I'll preface this by saying it's he's tough to grade just because where he was day one to game seven is – almost light or night and day difference, but I'm giving my grade based on the season as a whole. I'm going to do a B minus. Did you guys see, uh, speaking of Baisley, did you guys see him tweet today? He's tweeted out paid intern. Kind of interesting. That's what he was. Does he, does he still feel like an intern in OKC? No. Is there trouble brewing? No. <laughs> I hate you. <laughs> Taylor, what letter grade are you giving Bays? Also gave him a B. Okay, I'd probably give him a B plus just because I did not expect much from the intern coming in. Uh, so collectively, if we average out our letters, uh, he gets a an overall a B. Nick, where did he exceed expectations for the season? Uh, I think Baisley exceeded my expectations um, when it came to shooting, IQ, and just his growth in general. Um, like I said, where he was from opening night to the playoffs was was insanely different. True, his his IQ, like he he had a lot of really bad plays, a lot of mistakes, and a lot of things. You're like, yeah, that's that's a rookie. But he also had so many like, amazing passes and things that he would do on both ends of the floor. And you're like, that guy is is wise beyond his years. So um, those kinds of little things, kind of the the intangibles, were what stuck out to me. Okay, I'm with you there. I think that might have been my favorite thing as well was his basketball IQ on both ends of the floor. Um, like you mentioned, Nick, just some of the passes he's able to – just the vision he has for a, a tall, lanky big man um, I thought was pretty impressive, but also his positioning on defense. While he's no, no by no means a incredibly um, stout defender – his IQ it was really impressive because he, his positioning on defense is what really stood out to me. Always um, in the in the right position. Uh, wasn't a huge he, – he didn't foul all that often, although there were some – like you mentioned, some of the rookie mistakes where you're going to pick up some of those fouls as you adjust to the uh, to the uh, to the NBA game. But I really thought – like the shot blocking, for example. Just stuff like that. It, the positioning, the awareness that he has on both ends of the floor really stuck out to me as well. But I also enjoyed watching um, his three-point shot, shot develop, which I think is huge, especially if the Thunder view him as more of a uh, power forward slash you know, even a small ball five going forward. Being able to stretch the floor like that, especially with guys like SGA, giving him more room to create, I think it's pretty big time. So those were kind of the two big things I think that stood out the most to me, and I really agree with you there on the IQ and kind of the intangibles that he showed. Yeah, for exceeds expectations for Bays, I'm going to say his defense. Um, you guys have mentioned the IQ multiple times, the, the discipline he showed on defense, uh, rarely biting on pump fakes, his ability to slide his feet, to stay down, to f- – make the correct rotation 
all of those types of things were very, very impressive to me for what a 19 slash 20 year old rookie who didn't play college basketball. Right. To me, my expectation on what he could be defensively coming in versus what he ended up being very, very impressive. And I expect him to be the starting power forward for the thunder, uh, come game one next season. So, uh, his defense was very much exceeds expectations for me. Nick, what are your um, needs improvement for Baisley? Mine are probably going to be different than definitely Taylor's and maybe yours. Uh, mine were body control and guard skills. And I know that seems like, oh, why does a power forward slash small ball center need those kind of things? And I've said this a lot. Yes, he probably will be a power forward next season and the starting power forward. But I still think long term his potential and his ceiling won't be reached unless he's playing a wing, like a three, rather than a small ball five. So I think for him, and this is just me kind of being skewed on, on how I view him as a player versus maybe some other people, I think his body control and, and when I say guard skills, things like just being kind of a point forward, being able to handle, um, get to the rim without being stripped, all those all those small things that kind of a guard wing has to do or things that he needs to improve on because that's where I see his, his ceiling being. Nick, let, me ask you, let me ask you this real quick, Nick. Um, let's say the Thunder go about as we expect they do and they trade away Chris Paul and Dennis Schroeder. Uh, they hand the keys over to run the offense to Shea. Is Baisley the secondary playmaker on, on that starting unit? Um, probably in a vacuum. If you're trading Dennis and Chris, you're likely getting somebody That's in return. True. So, right. so in yeah. a vacuum, you know, let's let's assume that all we get back are draft picks, right? Then yes, I mean, based I on the, the guys currently on the roster, 100%. I think that's the goal that probably the the front office wants, right? Is to let Baisley be that secondary playmaker to see what he can do, right? Uh, especially in a down year. I could also kind of see where Dort and Baisley split those duties a little bit as well. Um, yeah, but I think Dort, I think I think Dort has right. a lot more growing to do to become a playmaker than Baisley absolutely, does. definitely, definitely. All right, Taylor, where does where does Baisley need improvement at? So that's kind of funny. Nick and I are, have been pretty much on the same page. I actually wrote down a couple uh, different things. Um, so it's kind of hard to pick just one. But I did mention, you know, if he's going to be the focal point, uh, you know, the, or not the focal point, but the starting power forward if Gallo is traded. I think he does need to add a little more versatility to his offensive game. Be, um, you know, obviously the three-point shot is big time. But you can't just expect to be able to back down your defender every single play, you know, when you're trying to drive to the basket and expect – especially when the, the defenses are narrowing in on you more and uh, are kind of, you know, are, are scouting you ahead of time a little more than maybe they were this past season. I think he needs to add a little more versatility to his offensive game. But overall, I think like the biggest thing here with Baisley, he just needs to continue to get bigger and stronger to be able to compete with bigger, bigger fours and small ball fives. But Nick, to your point earlier, like, can you imagine if Baisley does get to the point here, which I think is very, maybe likely um, here two seasons from now, where he's able to play the three through five in certain circumstances. Um, having that kind of versatility on your team, especially for a rebuilding team, is, is huge. If, if he could be kind of a Jeremy Grant, like we saw him in the playoffs, guarding yep. LeBron, playing that's a, a wing, point. like that's that's where Baisley could be his best. And, and then again, really in the same playoff series, you saw Jeremy Grant play some small ball center. Like having that versatility, I think him being a, a wing all the way down to that small ball center would be awesome. Oh, yeah. Oh, yeah. I'm... So my place for needs improvement for Bays is going to be at the rim. There were plays during the season where on the fast break, Baisley was getting up and just smashing them home, and that was awesome. 
Uh, didn't he have one on Joel Embiid? I'm pretty sure he did early in the season when when the Philly 76ers came I to Oklahoma don't remember City. That, that was, I, he, I mean, that was 11 months ago now. Yeah, That's no crazy. shit, right? <laughs> I'm pretty sure he smashed one on on Embiid though. But then there's a lot of times in the half court where he would drive to the rim and like barely jump, and he would get blocked. Uh, he would get call, called for a charge. He would struggle to get like. He wouldn't use his athleticism, and he wouldn't get up above the rim, and his finishing was very poor. I think the next step for him, we've seen, I think that step back three is real. I think the stroke is real. Next for him, I think, is being able to finish when he gets at the rim, being able to hit those euros, being able to use both hands, being able to get up and dunk it in the half court, uh, get above the rim and finish up high and strong yep. instead of getting blocked or use knocked his down or whatever. Advantage. Exactly. He's got to be better finishing at the rim. That's going to be, I think, essential for his growth. I agree. I think that's very spot on, which is kind of funny because I had that for Dort as well. Um, Obviously, different players in different situations where they would be trying to finish around the rim, but I think that's important for both of them moving forward. Definitely. All right. Our last guy. Let's give letter grades first. Nick, what letter grade are you giving Shea Gilgis Alexander? Shea is going to get a B plus this season. Okay. Taylor? I did A minus, so not too far off. You say A minus? Yep. A minus. Um expectations versus what he actually gave us. I think I'll go A minus for Shea as well. Nick, where did Shea exceed expectations? What did he do that was really good that really jumped out to you this year? So while I was specific on some of the other stuff, I'm going to be a little more broad here just because it is what stuck out most to me. It was just his ability to score the ball and be the number one scoring option was almost mind-blowing to me because if you listen back to some of our podcasts before the season, I think we are all kind of in agreement that Shea, you know, whether it's now or five years from now and the Thunder are trying to contend again, he's not going to be a number one guy. He's more of a a playmaking second or third option offensively and him coming out this year, not even when the rebuild has started yet, whenever there's other veteran guys on this team, future hall of famers on this team. And he is the leading scorer. Like that That was, was that was insane. I mean, it just, like you said, Nick, we were expecting a full on rebuild and here we are with this basically a head start, not only because of the, like we always keep saying the treasure chest or plethora of draft picks that Presley was able to get because he also got a young budding, maybe potential future all-star, and Shea Gilgis-Alexander. So I'm, I'm with you there. Taylor, what's your exceed expectation? Do you have anything else besides just agreeing with Nick? Uh, I do agree with Nick, but I actually wrote down. So it, it, it's kind of interesting because these last two players, like we mentioned, you know, in Dort and Baisley, we had nothing really to compare it to other than our expectations for them coming out of, and uh, in Dort's case, college, and in Baisley's case, <laughs> new bounce. Um, but with Shea, you did have a, a benchmark to kind of compare it to his rookie season in uh, Los Angeles when he actually was in the first round of the playoffs. Kind of got to see his maturity and growth through that season as well. And also just, you know, people, talk, the Clippers fans talking so highly about him. Um, so I actually, it kind of went about Shea a little bit of a different way. I just wrote down some of the some of the things that really stood out to me the most um, in terms of the stat sheet when comparing it to his last season. He went from ten points per game to nineteen points per game. His rebounds almost doubled to five point nine rebounds per game. Uh, better two point percentage and a field goal efficiency percentage um, almost, on almost four more attempts per game. So he's shooting the ball more, and those numbers are still going up. Those true shooting percentages um, 
Also, we're about 3% higher on more shooting attempts. His PER jumped to 17.7. So just stats across the board continue to really kind of skyrocket, even when given more opportunity and on much more attempts, much more playing time even. And that's what really stood out to me. When given the opportunity, when given the chance, he really flourished. And so I can't wait to to see. I think there's going to be some growing pains without like a Chris Paul alongside him. But at the same time, seeing what he was able to do this season with more opportunity, I cannot wait to see when he is a little more of the focal point when you don't have a Chris Paul or Dennis Schroeder around like we mentioned. Now, don't get me wrong. I, I I am still kind of in the camp. I think all of us are, that Shea does need another star with him, which is somebody that the Thunder will probably draft in future drafts, upcoming drafts. But even then, I think there's still a ton to be excited about with Shea, especially when looking back on this season as a whole. Definitely. For my exceeds expectations, I'm just going to go his ability to score at all three levels, uh, his craftiness. I knew he was crafty. I didn't know he was that crafty. Um, his ability, like the floater game is something that we were very not accustomed to in Oklahoma city, his floater and mid range game. And then the three ball definitely came on as the season progressed. True. So his, his ability to score at all three levels, uh, that, really exceeded expectations. Speaking of, you know, something we weren't really used to in OKC, you mentioned the floater compared to the ferocious driving to the rim and dunking the ball to finish. Right. Um, his ability to change the change of pace um yeah. which is just really impressive um just yeah, the way the he's stop able and go to, stuff. yes yeah. it's just oh, that was really fun. good that's really you fun. know and and while you guys were talking about how he exceeded expectations i was thinking about this is there anything to the idea that shea came in the league and was successful uh in his first season with the clippers and was given like a small role and then when he came to oklahoma city he wasn't just thrown in to be the guy, right? He was behind Chris uh, and other veterans like Gallo and Steven Adams and Dennis Schroeder. And they they let him take that next step. And then next season, it's looking like they're going to hand the keys over to him, being like the next kind step Kind of easing again. him in. I think yeah, it's a, kind yeah. of like wading into the pool rather than just throwing him in the deep end and seeing if he can survive. Throwing him in the I, fire, yeah. Yeah, I don't know if there's anything to that. Um, but I feel like that's probably the right way to go about player development, right? Don't give them too much that they can't chew. Give it to them in bite-sized chunks year after year after year. Is there anything to that, do you think? I mean, I, I, I think there, that that definitely will in the long run play a, a big part in how Shea develops. I also think that was more of a natural happening than Oklahoma City trying to make it work that way. Yeah, it wasn't intentional. But yeah. like do do you think players would be more successful getting that small chunk by small chunk by small chunk I mean, versus I, like what what and maybe this is what the problem is with the Kings and That's the exactly Knicks what I was gonna that, that's Phoenix what I was gonna bring up. Years. I was gonna say I hate using the same example on every single podcast, but you look at the Knicks and the Kings. I mean look at RJ Barrett this past year. I think RJ's gonna have a much better season this upcoming year. Um and, and will eventually turn into a good player. But I think being thrown to the fire like that, like you talked about, Jacob, just submerging him in the deep end instead of getting the his feet wet. expectations are really high from day exactly, one. Exactly, especially in a big market like the Knicks. Or even the I, Kings, for example. We've talked about Bagley and Giles and even De'Aaron Fox to an extent. Um, I, I think there's absolutely something to that. I think that will pay dividends moving forward. However, like I did mention earlier, I do think there's still going to be some growing pains with Shea being the focal point without like a Chris Paul or Dennis. Oh, yeah. Just because of what you, we saw in the bubble. You expect that. And... and- that's what you want in growth. Exactly. You, growth right, right. happens not when you're completely over your head and not when things are too easy, but when they're right there at the precipice. Exactly. Yeah, right sorry, the, I wasn't right trying to say edge, it was a bad thing. You know? Yeah, right, right. Okay, Nick, where can Shea, or where does he need improvement? If you had to coach him up this summer 
and or this fall or winter, whatever the hell off season we're in now, <laughs> and had to tell him, hey, in order for you to get better, you need to focus on these things. What would you give him? Um, so this is going to be con- condescending uh, after talking about how great he was as the, the lead dog on offense. He needs to get more aggressive and not, you know, go away or I'm trying to think of disappear. the right word. Yeah, yeah for, disappear. For stretches yeah, of the like, game. Like in the Houston Happened series, the playoffs. a couple yes. of times we like <laughs> didn't, like we forgot he was on the team. He'd like score and it was like, holy crap, I forgot SGA was on this team. Um, and then during the regular season, I mean, he was efficient. He scored, you know, close to 20 points a game on, on quite a few less shots, but he just needs to be more aggressive. I think that'll come naturally and he'll be thrown into that this next season. But he, he straight up disappeared way too much in the playoffs. So mine's kind so of – oh, Before you go, Taylor, real quick, I'm going to throw a wrinkle in on, on the Shea one. So you, you've said who he or where he needs improvement, Nick. Now, if you had to sit him down and make him watch another player to learn that, that thing or that skill, who would you have him watch? So you say the aggressiveness, not disappearing, keeping your foot on the gas. Who would you, who would you show him – uh, to say this is what you need to do. Dion Waiters? I'm just oh, kidding. I'm God. kidding. I'm, I'm kidding. I'm kidding. Yes. Total, total <laughs> joke. Taylor um, Smith. Get your weight Honestly, up. I mean, just a, a young guy that, that goes out there and took the team over and, and is the number one guy, and, and he's a generational talent. I don't think Shea will ever be at the level he's even at right now, but Luca. Like, he's a young guy that has naturally had to become the alpha male and the score and the aggressive guy on offense. I think that's exactly what Shea's going to have to do next year. I was going to say even, like, Donovan Mitchell. Um, again, we, we've compared Shea and Donovan, not in terms of their style of plays, but just kind of the roles that they could play potentially moving forward. Uh, I think Mitchell, it would be kind of fun for him to at least take some aspects of his game from. Again, not making the direct com- comparison there. Um, Shea's never going to be the Donovan Mitchell type for OKC, but I, I think their aggressiveness, aggressiveness is something that Mitchell has that Shea could really learn from. Shoot Jamal Murray, the flame flame for the thrower uh, yeah yeah trey young uh, <laughs> taylor what where do you think shay needs improvement mine was kind of similar to nick and this is something that we've talked about throughout the season on this podcast i'd really like to see shay get to the free throw line more uh, and that a lot of that is uh, being more aggressive but you know he does drive for as many times as he drives uh, he doesn't get to the free throw line nearly enough he's really got to work on his ability to be able to draw the fouls. Um, he's so crafty, he kind of avoids contact at times, which isn't a bad thing. That's kind of his strength in a way. But you still be, have to be able to embrace it and be able to get to the free throw line a little more. Um, and that's going to open up his game as well as his his teammates' game. Uh, but I also have, you know, defense needs to improve. And the three-point shot, both, like you mentioned earlier, Jacob, both off the dribble and catch and shoot. Nice. So for the free throws, because that was your main one, uh, who do you want him to watch? Oh, boy. Um, Nick, you can chime in on this too if you have a good one. Would like De'Aaron Fox be a fun one, or maybe like I mean Russell Westbrook's like complete stereotypical Thunder fan answer there. Haven't watched James Harden. Yeah, right. It's such a, it's such a hard yeah. question though because like I don't think free throw shooting is something you go watch a guy to get better. I think I think that's a, a personal like how does it thing. fit into your game, right? Like Shea's gonna yeah. draw fouls in a completely different way than Russell Westbrook would. It's um, a good point. Yeah. Huh. All right, my needs improvement for Shea, uh, Taylor kind of touched on it. I'm going his defense. There were times, I mean, he has all the tools to be an incredible defender. There were times where he really showed us good defense this year. But too many times I felt like he was taking it easy on that end because of what he was doing offensively and his load on that end. 
too many times. Uh, I saw a lackluster effort. Uh, I saw him getting beat off the dribble. I think that for Shea to take the next step, I, I think naturally his offense is going to get better. His shooting, his finishing, his being able to draw contact and, and get to the free throw line. I think where he takes the next step from and goes from good to great is becoming one of those guys that is locked down on the defensive end. I'm not saying he has to be Lou Dort. Yeah. But I'm saying he has to have the confidence and the ability to be able to go out and score 20 to 25 a night and then on the other end say, hey, I'm going to guard Jamal Murray. Exactly. Hey, I'm going to guard Donovan Mitchell. Hey, I'm going to guard Jalen Brown. I think a lot of that is confidence, like you said, Jacob, because he does have the tools. I think some of his confidence, and I think some of it's just want to a little bit. I just saw some lackluster stuff from him, uh, some some lack of effort from time to time, and I want to see him – Dude, his arms are so goddamn long. Exactly. He I was going to say the, the tools are to there. The tool set's defender. there. And so in thinking of who would I show him film of, uh, tell me what you guys think of this, and I'm going to go with two guys. Um, one is just about to get bounced from the finals, Jimmy Butler. And That's then the other I just mentioned, uh, I want him to watch Jalen Brown. Oh, I like that Jalen one a lot. I like that a whole lot. I think both of those guys are guys that bring it on both ends. Uh continually and and so that's who i'd have him i'm down with that mimic yeah yeah i like that kind of funny too because we mentioned when we were previewing the celtics heat series about how not similar but you know there are similar qualities in both Jalen brown and jimmy butler's games yeah definitely all right uh well gentlemen we have officially handed out our report cards i think they're pretty fair i like them yeah uh if you're listening to the podcast Hit us up on Twitter. Let us know what you think of these grades. And if you would grade them any different, we are at the underscore uncontested. Holler at us. Let us know. Um, with that being said, guys, we're going to move on. We're bringing back a segment we haven't done in a while, which is Would You Rather? So we're going to bring sounder. this back. Oh, yeah. Cue <laughs> the sounder. Uh, we're going to do Would You Rather Thunder Edition. You can do it. Would you rather be a hobo with a 5% chance of getting inherited by a rich guy or be Hitler two years before the end of World War II? Because you know you're going to have to shoot yourself, but you still got two more years as Hitler. <laughs> Such a good sounder. <laughs> Underrated Jeez. sounder for us. All right, so would you rathers? Um, Can I kick us keep... off? Yeah, yeah, go for it, Nick. Okay, I've got one that, that's going to be fun, especially I want to hear Jacob's answer on this one. Um would you rather trade into, assuming that the way to do this is identical, would you rather trade into the top five of the 2020 draft or the 10 to 13 range in the 2021 draft? Now we're talking. Ooh, that's fun. I like it. God, I don't know. Um, it's hard for me to answer because I don't know nearly as much of the 2021 draft as far as like individual prospects that I do 2020. With that being said, I do know 2021 is much better. You know what? I'm going to say I'm going to take the 2021 because if you can get that 10 to 13, your own pick, and then the uh, the better of the two picks between Houston and Miami. That's true. You're going to have You're packaging yeah. that bad boy up, and you're going to get Kate Cunningham. You just, right. but you just gave up on Denny. <laughs> hey, sometimes... You gotta let your crush go to find your true love. All right. There you go. I like it. 
I'm with Taylor. You which one would you do on that? Oh, one? I, I'd go 2021, just because of the the, the depth of that class. Um, and we've seen some of these players who are picked in the 10 to 15 range just really flourish, and not just this season, but you know, or the the past decade really. Uh, now I know that there is a higher probability, and you had a really good thread, Jacob, that you did a while back, kind of showing the probability of all stars within the top five, top 10 picks, so on and so forth. But um, I really like that 10 to 15 range for a deep and super talented 2021 draft. I don't think it's going to be like last year's draft, which was some really good, uh, kind of almost top heavy, where I think this draft is kind of like a crapshoot one all the way, you know, all the way throughout the first round, maybe in the second. Next year, I think it's going to be a little more deep, a little more consistent. So uh, I like the 2021 yeah. 10 to 15 range. I, I just like it for the ability to move up. So, well, I'll go next because mine is similar. Would you rather... For, would you rather get a pick, one pick in the five through ten range in the twenty twenty draft, or you get two picks in the twenties? Ooh, you said so you five to one, ten. One pick this draft between five to ten. Oh yeah. Or two picks from twenty to like twenty eight. I'm going. I'm going one one pick in that five to ten range without question. I am too. I, I am too. I, I definitely. If you would said ten to fifteen well. compared to two picks in the twenty, now we're talking. I um, yeah. There's gonna be some guys five to ten that I really like. Denny's probably gonna be there. There's a chance. Um, you know, Killian Hayes could be there. Uh, Onyeka Okongwu could yep. be there. Um, one of those three is bound to be in the five through ten, and so I would take any of those three over two picks in the twenties as well. True. So Taylor hit us. I actually have one kind of similar. We'll just uh, stay on topic of the draft. Mine's specifically for this year's draft uh, coming up in November. Would you guys rather OKC use a future draft pick to trade up in this year's draft? Now, keep in mind, this isn't like, this is no trades involved. This is just as we stand now. Would you rather OKC use one of their future draft picks to trade up in this year's draft or hold on to the future draft picks and just stay put in this year's draft? Uh, it, it depends on how much it moves them up, right? If it's four slots, like no chance I want to use a future pick. Um, if, if it's moving you into the, just outside the lottery range, maybe. Um, but, but and it also depends which pick as well, right? For sure. For sure. But I, I think I would lean just generically on this idea of sticking where you're at and not using a future pick. I think so as well. I I think I'd rather trade players for picks in this draft. Speaking of, uh, I threw this on Twitter at like 2 a.m. on Friday because I don't know what the (laughs) hell I was doing with my life. How do you guys think of, of the idea? And I think, Nick, I think we actually talked about this uh, maybe in the Slack. What do you guys think about the idea of trading Dennis Schroeder and pick 25 in this year's draft for James Johnson, who basically makes the same amount of money for the same amount of years, he'd be expiring, uh, yep. to move up eight spots to 17? Uh, and oh, you sent yeah. Dennis to Minnesota. I actually, this is something I came up with a, a little while ago. I don't even think you have to include the 25 pick. I think for Minnesota, with their backs kind of against the wall, I think you could trade Schroeder straight up for Johnson in 17. Fans, they, 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 already, they, already have, they already have the number one and I think another first. Like 17, it may not be crazy high value in their opinion. Schroeder if would be fits, a, If he fits well, I think you're right. That's a good and, point. And he can contribute faster right they already have D'Lo they already have Cat like yep. you don't want to develop another guy man if you could get 17 and 25 yeah. you package those you could get in like 13 14 yeah and then you that plus Chris to get number 8 from the New York Knicks there you go <laughs> you just keep moving up the ladder <laughs> <laughs> uh, 
<laughs> All right, Nick, like give us that. your next one. All right, I'm going to get away from the draft here. I'm going to go more in the trade realm. Um, would you rather trade Darius Baisley or Lou Dort? Oh. Uh, I'm going Lou Dort. Yeah, I think you're going to get more value for him right now. Oh, see, I just think that Baisley has a higher ceiling. Okay, okay. Yeah, I'm, I'm saying let, let's assume that the actual value you're getting back is, is identical. Like, oh, in okay. Which, which guy would you rather keep around for long-term development and growth? Yeah, yeah, I'm going. I'm going Bays. I like Baisley's versatility and ceiling, like you said, Jacob. Um, I'm I was just guys. thinking right now, Dort might get more trade value. Yeah, and I think that position um, is more valuable in the league. So the the Thunder, you can go. I love Dort. I love Dort. You can go find a Dort replacement. Um, finding a guy with the size and the skill set that Baisley has and the potential uh, is a little more difficult to find. I think. Agreed. That's a good point. So, okay, well, screw you, Nick. I'm getting us back on the topic of the draft. <laughs> it's a little draft and a little trade. Would you rather keep Shea Gilgis-Alexander or trade him for the th- number three pick in the 2021 draft? Oh, 2021. Mm. Ooh. Keep Shea or pick three in the 2021 draft? I think you keep Shea. I, I don't I, – he, he's shown flashes of – so many good things. I don't think I could trade him for a guy that we'd have no clue is going to end up being. That's fair, especially without seeing how some of these prospects turn out over the, and develop over the next year. Um, because there's a good chance next year, like we said, in that 2021 draft where there's like there's all-stars selected anywhere from 1 through 10, uh, maybe 1 through 15. And so, or I guess I should say superstars, really. I think all-stars is very likely 1 through 15. But I just don't know if you give up a player like Shea, especially what he's shown, if he continues to show that development improvement over the next season. As we stand right now, I'm saying I'd rather hold on to Shea also. We keep saying Shea might be the C.J. McCollum. I just, when you already have that guy, I don't think you gamble that to try to get your dame. Exactly. That's what, and I, that's think, I think you keep that, analogy. especially when you have the assets that the Thunder have. Right. To or or your Jalen Brown to get your Tatum. You know? Exactly. You know, I, I, I think you keep him. Uh, I, I don't re-roll the dice again on that. I agree. That's, uh, that just doesn't seem like a good plan to me. Taylor, give us one. Speaking of Shea Gilgis-Alexander, would you guys rather that Shea averages 20-plus points per game next season or 6-plus assists when it's all said and done and we're sitting at this point uh, a year from now? Say that one more time. So would you rather a year from now, you know, once the season's over, would you rather Shea average 20-plus points per game, for reference, he was 19 this year, or 6-plus assists? Ooh, I I think I think I would rather him have the 20-plus points because if next season Shea is an averaging 20-plus, I think we might have problems. Oh, see, I'm going to go opposite. I'm going to go the 6-assists because if he can average 6-assists, Sorry, I'm watching the Lakers uh, as the final seconds tick off. Oh, that's uh, cool. Is Jr. already shirtless? I think Jr. is already shirtless. God bless him. Oh, that's bless incredible. He is. He is already shirtless. Oh, my God. Get the Henny flowing, baby. <laughs> I love it. Oh, that's incredible. Uh, Anthony Davis is over there crying. I'm going to go bald from Caruso's – or blind from Caruso's bald spot. <laughs> Good for them, man. Good Shout for Shout out to the Lakers. LeBron. Oh, look, look at that. Up. Look at Rondo and Braun. LeBron the GOAT, man. Man, Rondo. I mean, we'll get into this in a little bit, I guess. But, man, he was Yeah, uh, we'll, we'll, we'll save it. We'll save it. But just it's cool in the moment seeing this happen. Um, Markeith Morris has a title, and that kind of makes me upset. Um, 
I'm going to go the opposite of you, Nick. I'm going to say I'd rather Shea have six assists than the 20 points because to me, that means that other players are contributing and scoring. Maybe it's Baisley is scoring 15 a night or something. I think, to me, I know Shea can score the ball. I don't have a worry about Shea being able to score the ball. To me, the big thing is, can he run a team and can he create for others? And if he gets six-plus assists, doubles his assists for next season, that means to me, yes, we've answered that question. And he, you said if he can't score 20, we might have issues. I think if he scores under 20 but gets the six assists, then I think we are at a very good spot of his development. No, that's that's completely fair. I, I think, I, I think the, the assist side of things would be very, very promising. But on the flip, we talk about these teams that – are, are tanking and someone has to score. If that's really what Oklahoma City is going to be next season, if Shea's not averaging 20, like what what happened? Yeah. No, I'm with you. I'm with you. Right. I'm just, uh, I think I'm choosing well, to look at it optimistically has, that somebody else is helping him score more. If he has six plus assists, though, that means that other players are making shots fairly regularly. Um, so if that's the case and, some, and they're sharing that, that scoring load with Shea, then I think that's a good thing. But to your point, Nick, who outside of Baisley and Dort right now? And like you said, we'll see maybe what other uh, veteran players come back and, and return for trades like shooters and um, SCP3s. I, I, I don't know. I, I It'll be interesting. If we don't get those kind of players in return, then I think the 20-plus per game is uh, – you would hope to see that. But if six-plus assists means that everybody's contributing. Yeah, it's, uh, it's an interesting balance there. Hot take. You ready? Ready. Oh, Lord. Oh, Lord. <laughs> Not only is Shea going to average six-plus assists, he's also going to average six-plus rebounds and the 20-plus points. I agree. I And, that, and I was going to say, best-case scenario, that's what happens. Can he be like 21-7-6 next season? Yeah, I think he can. I don't think that's out of the realm of possibility. 21-7-6, seven rebounds, six assists, on like 35% from three? Yeah. I think that's very, very doable. I don't think that's a hot take. Okay. Thank you. I appreciate that. You're welcome. <laughs> uh, do you guys have any more? Would you rather? I've I'm got. I've, I've got one that I. You guys might not like very much, but I'm very curious. And to be clear, you can't say neither on this. <laughs> would you rather? Boo! That, isn't that the whole point of a would you rather? <laughs> <laughs> would you rather Oklahoma City acquire their wing of the future and it be Kyle Kuzma or Andrew Wiggins? Kuzma. Why? Because I don't like Andrew Wiggins. <laughs> I almost kind of like Wiggins team, better. This than team's like got enough Canadians. <laughs> team Canada over here in OKC. So, what, what's, mean, the, what's the age difference? Four months. Oh, oh wow. God, really? Yeah, Kuzma yes. was old. When that, he that's the genesis of this question because I think okay. there's a skewed view on, on Kuzma. He, exactly. he, I think he's February, and then um, Wiggins is like June. Okay, that's another good. question. Do I have to max out Kuzma like like they did Andrew Wiggins? Uh, now you're making this too difficult. <laughs> Just answer the question. Like in a vacuum, I think I'm still taking Wiggins. Um yeah, oh man. I, this I question sucks, like Nick. I hate you. <laughs> <laughs> That's really good. Yeah, it is. Um I got to stay on brand, so I'll go Kuzma. I don't like Kuzma, but I also don't like Wiggins. But just to Lesser be the and the jerk, I'm going Kuzma. Fair enough. Fair. All right, I've got Taylor, one more. Taylor, do, do you have one more? Okay, it's kind of fun, it. too, uh, about another player on this roster. 
and we haven't really talked a whole lot about this just because there's been bigger storylines and topics going on. Um, but I, again, was really disappointed for the second straight season in Steven Adams. And so my question for you guys is, would you rather trade Steven Adams or keep him? And the reason I think this is a, an interesting question is because he's about to, he'll be on an expiring contract. And having his presence in the locker room, uh, I think, is really important, especially if you don't have leaders like Chris Paul and Dennis Schroeder who get traded away. Um, God, this is a hard question. I would rather... I think keep him because I don't think you're going to get much on the trade market for him. I think it'd be like a player equivalent kind of a trade. Um, you're not going to get any assets. Yeah, that's one of those. I, I don't see Presty making a um, like a lateral or a sidestep kind of move. Yeah. Hey, here I was thinking about this earlier today, actually. Steven Adams going into a contract year. He's getting a new coach he's getting older and like developing his game more. Is he going to shoot threes next That's year? That's what I was going to say. You're going to ask if he's going to shoot threes. <laughs> no, I don't think so. I think if he wants to survive in the NBA, uh, he's got to start. I think it was, oh, I, I think so too. But I think it was, uh, oh, I was listening to Down to Dunk. And one of the guys on there said they had friends who were friends with Steven or something. Anyways, basically they were just talking about how Steven's a perfectionist and he won't throw something out there on the court unless he can do it like with his eyes closed. Well, I'll so, tell him example, to suck it up. Get your get, shit right, together, right. dude. And I think that's an issue. And maybe that changes with coaching, to your point. Yeah, I, I think, think the next coaching staff has to say, Steven, we need you to shoot three threes a night. Even, yeah, or I mean, even if you're not making exactly. a ton of them, if you're, if you're shooting two to three a night just to keep defenses honest, it opens up your other parts of the game. Exactly. It allows more backdoor cuts. Um, yeah, he's got to shoot threes. Okay. It might keep um, him healthier too. Yeah. Guys, we are going to do a quick around the association. I know we went kind of long with our thunder chat, but Hey, we're a thunder podcast. It's kind of what we're supposed to do. Uh, so before we do that though, we got to tell our listeners about who's paying the bills. Indeed we do. Boom. boom. Even though sports had a break. Your business did not. You have to keep moving, and that makes hiring more important than ever. Indeed is here to help. Indeed.com is number one, is the number one job site in the world because Indeed gets you the best people fast. Unlike other sites, Indeed gives you full control and payment flexibility over your hiring. You only pay for what you need, and you can pause your account at any time. Also, there are no longer long-term contracts. Plus, Indeed provides powerful tools to make your search that much easier. Like sponsor jobs, which are shown to be a three and a half times more likely to result in a hire. With 73% of online job seekers visiting Indeed each month, Indeed is going to get you the important hire you need, just like they have for over 3 million businesses. Right now, Indeed is offering our listeners a free $75 credit to boost your job posts, which means more quality candidates will see it fast. Try Indeed out with a free $75 credit at Indeed.com slash BlueWire. This is their best offer available anywhere. Go right now to Indeed.com slash BlueWire. Terms and conditions apply, and the offer is valid through September 30th. The wait is finally over. Football is back. You might not be at the game this year, but you can still be in on the action at BetOnline. BetOnline is going the extra mile to make sure you can get in on every possible chance to win this season. From game spreads and totals to team player and coaching props, Bet online gives you more options to wager than anywhere else. You can get in on their season opening bonuses today and start off wagering on wins, division and championship futures all day, every day. 
Head to Bet Online today and take take advantage of all of the great sign-up bonuses. Don't forget to use promo code BLUEWIRE at BetOnline.ag. That's Blue Wire, all one word. Bet Online, your online sportsbook experts. Gentlemen, let's take the trip. I don't even know where you're sitting at. <laughs> <laughs> Basketball is over. LeBron won his his what is it? He won Finals MVP. I can't remember his fourth. Is. His fourth. His fourth. Oh, okay. Hey, fourth. you know what's more important? My man Dion Waiters has a ring. That's right. And Jr. is shirtless. Everything's right. Or maybe wrong in this world. I don't know. No, <laughs> everything is wrong in the world, but everything is right in the bubble. Right now. <laughs> there you go. Oh so, man. The Lakers have won the championship. I think this means I've lost a bet with Nick. Um, I don't know what I owe you, Nick. You said oh, a yeah. non-LA team. I think I owe you a, a hat. non-LA team. A hat, yes. Yeah. I think I owe you a hat. Um, so we'll we'll get that squared away eventually. Um, any surprises? I mean, Miami fought and clawed and did everything they could. Jimmy Butler, um, you know, an absolute animal. Any surprises here? No, as soon as as soon as the Clippers and Bucks were out of it, it was the Lakers to lose. Yeah, I, I think I agree. But I, I will say, um, you know, the, this whole finals was almost kind of dull to me um, up until that last game on Friday night, and that was like one of the most fun games I've watched in a while uh, throughout the bubble. But before that, it just almost seemed dull. You know, it was like the Lakers kind of had control for a couple games, and then Jimmy Butler just went supernova, put the team on his back, willed the team to victory to extend the series, but. When it came down to it, Nick, like you said, this just—it didn't really seem like the Heat had all that much of a chance, especially with Drogic and um, uh, I just went with bio. Bam having ha- battling injuries. Jeez, LeBron, thirty, twelve, and nine on fifty-nine percent shooting. I think he had a triple double. I just saw. Did, oh, did they not? Count? No, that that was for the that was for the series. Oh wow, goodness! <laughs> wow, that's absurd. That is absurd. Absolutely absurd. Four um, different ring or four rings with three different teams. That's pretty incredible. Yes, very much so. Well, since this game is over, uh, they are going to get on a plane and leave Orlando tomorrow, gentlemen. The bubble and all its uh, its I don't know what the word I'm looking for. How infamous the bubble has been. You say the bubble, everyone knows what you're talking about. It's over. Shout 90, out Chris Paul. Ninety six hey, days in the NBA bubble. They. Absolutely incredible work by the NBA. Can't say enough of mm-hmm. how well this thing has ran. Zero cases throughout the entirety of the bubble. Um, did you guys end up, uh, did you ever see on, I think it was on Twitter via Business Week maybe, that like four or five minute video about the chefs in the bubble? Yes. Yeah, that was I awesome. I did not see that. I did. Oh, it's really, really cool, man. It was really um, cool and it's super th- impressive. Th- she said she makes 4,000 meals a week. Prepares four thousand meals a week. That's insane. Uh, That's incredible. Yeah, uh, she they she has an app that the the players would get on and select what they wanted for the next day, and then she would come in and cook it, and then she would have to have one runner take it from her hotel over uh, to the players' hotel, and then somebody else take it from the hotel to the players' kitchen and get it all set up. So like 
it was a kind of like a relay race. But all the intricacies, everything it took to make the bubble happen, I did not think we were going to get an end to an NBA season. And we are sitting here watching LeBron James now give a speech for winning finals MVP. Yep. This isn't possible, like Nick said, without Chris Paul, uh, without Michelle Roberts, without Adam Silver. Adam Silver. Absolutely phenomenal job by the leadership of the NBA to not only get the NBA back on track to get us to a finals and to complete the season, but also the social justice work they've done in the process. I agree. Uh, I mean, just think back to, I mean, April, May, when we like were even just hearing rumors about the possibility of this coming together, how skeptical we all were. It'd be kind of fun, kind of like the Chris Paul trade, <laughs> to go back and listen to those episodes where we discussed it. Um, there was just so much instability in this world, and the fact that you know that the NBA would be able to pull off the, the resumption of the season it just kind of seemed foreign. So, um, yeah, just nothing but respect for the NBA pulling this off. And I've had a blast, uh, even with the Thunder going out after the first round um, in an incredibly close series with Houston. That was fun enough, but there were some incredible games, some historical performances. And uh, let's just hope that we can start the season back up before too long. So where do we go from here? I I don't know. Uh, I mean, obviously they really want fans to be able to at least – attend in some capacity um so basically i think they have a decision to make whether they want to kind of be like the nfl where you just kind of roll with the punches and if you have to move around games you move around games uh if you have to cancel game you know whatever it may be um it's not going to be perfect or you find a way to do like a uh, i've heard like these bubble pods <laughs> you know where basically you you would go in with like a handful of teams play against them for like two weeks, come home for two weeks, do another, you know, that kind of thing um, to get you by until fans are allowed in and things are a little more safe. But we'll see. I mean, you know, I think Michelle Roberts and Adam Silver both have talked about uh, January probably probably being the earliest. And then even February, uh, some people have said March being the latest. So yeah, we're hearing a lot of January. I'm still fingers crossed for Martin Luther King Day. That'd be awesome. Well, re- regardless, we've got the draft on November 18th. That kind of kicks five and a half off, weeks. That kind of kicks off the the first time that we'll probably see real trades. So the next month, there's going to be a lot of talks between teams. There probably already has been some some talks between teams. Um, who knows? There might already be hypothetical Chris Paul trades out there that have been offered, and whenever the the transaction window opens up. Maybe we'll see something happen, but it's it's exciting that that is is coming up here pretty quick. True, definitely. We have the draft in five and a half weeks. Uh, Michelle Roberts has mentioned that uh, free agency probably right around December first, uh, which would be a week and a half after, or close to two weeks after the the draft. We'll get the start of free agency. Uh, hopefully, shortly after that, we are starting camp. Uh, to get a mid uh, Monday, January 18th is Martin Luther King Jr. Day. Uh, can't think of a better day to fire up the NBA. Yeah, that's true. I agree with you. And like you said, Nick, I'm just excited like for, well, obviously the draft, but then for trades to be able to happen again and to basically the, the league to unfreeze there and then free agency dates. Um, it's going to be fun because we're kind of going to kind of get what we usually get in like July we're going to get this year in November, which will be so strange, but also like kind of helps keep this momentum going from uh, from the bubble and being able to completely finish the season. I'm into it. All right, guys, anything, any parting thoughts before we get out of here? I just want to say thank you to all of our listeners. It's been a true. 
crazy last couple of months and and you guys have been tuning in even more frequently than you guys did yeah you know, whatever things so whenever true. things were booming before the bubble so thanks for sticking in with us and we're excited to put together some creative stuff over the next couple months before there's so much news to talk about that we don't even have enough time to do it yeah that's a really I'm good ready, point man. even during that i'm so ready for stuff to happen for us to podcast about yeah agreed Awesome. Well, guys, we hope you enjoyed this episode. If you did, please, 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 please go drop a five-star rating for us. It would mean a lot. Uh, If you want to drop a one-star rating, don't. And instead, (laughs) just DM us and say what you don't like because dropping a one-star rating is kind of rude and passive-aggressive. And dropping a five-star rating, hey, the world needs more kindness right now. And you can do that. Thanks again for tuning in. We will be back with you guys again on Thursday late Wednesday night, early Thursday morning pod drop. So be on the lookout for that. Make sure you subscribe so you can get that automatically downloaded to your device. Don't even have to go and search the uncontested. With that being said, NBA season is over. The offseason has begun. Fire up those trade machines. Start looking up who the next Thunder head coach is going to be. Find the most random guy with a Euro last name and we'll, we'll go for it. That's probably what's going to happen. We'll be back with you guys again later in the week. Please stay safe. We'll talk to you guys soon. Thunder up. Sugar Ray Leonard, Roberto Duran, Marvelous Marvin Hagler, and Thomas Hearns. Legends, whose four-way rivalry defined one of the greatest eras in boxing history. Relive their decade of dominance in a new Showtime sports documentary, The Kings, a four-part series now streaming on Showtime. This is the story of the one. As head of maintenance at a concert hall, he knows the show must always go on. That's why he works behind the scenes, ensuring every light is working, the HVAC is humming, and his facility shines. With Granger's supplies and solutions for every challenge he faces, plus 24-7 customer support, his venue never misses a beat. Call quickgranger.com or just stop by. Granger, for the ones who get it done.